Welcome back, dear listeners, for the final instalment of The Boggle Thief. Who done it? Well, you will very shortly find out. So without further ado, let's continue with Chapter 12, The Haunted Hollow. The three amigos run slowed to a jog as they tired. This was the longest tunnel by far, straight and narrow and undulating gently downwards. After about ten minutes or so, they saw a thin beam of light up ahead, shining its pure golden light into the tunnel. Daylight, Alex said. We're going to get out of here in one piece. As they approached the light, the smooth tunnel walls that had, once upon a time, many moons ago, been dug out with the blood, sweat and tears of human hands, gave way to Mother Nature's cold, rocky walls that gradually opened up until the three friends found they weren't standing in a tunnel anymore. They were in a cave. A big cave. A very big daddy cave that had a mummy cave to the right and lots of baby caves because they wanted a big cave family and didn't know when to stop reproducing. They paused and listened to hear if there were any footsteps behind them, but they could hear nothing. They were confident the boggle thief had chosen a different tunnel. They began to explore. They could see the way out in the distance where the bright sunlight was shining through a hole not more than a metre wide. What is this place? Jenny said. They were in the village they all lived, but they did not know of any such place. Guys, Lola whispered, I think someone lives here. Look over there. Over in the mummy cave to the right was what looked like a campfire that hadn't been lit. There was a seat next to it, but it wasn't any old seat. That's the naughty step, said Alex, from our school. The bog thief stole it. Are you sure, said Lola. I should know, said Alex. I've been on that step more times than most. In fact, I can prove it. Alex went over to the seat and turned it over. See, Alex said. See what, A-bomb, said Jenny. Look, said Alex, in the corner there, you can see my initials, A-A. I did that last year when I was going through a super cheeky phase. OMG, said Jenny. I really need to stop saying OMG quite so much. I'll make it a New Year's resolution, but you're right, A-bomb. I see it. And just then, an ice-cold breeze swept through the cave. An unnatural breeze that had no place on a warm summer's day, even in a dark and dreary cave. Anyone else want to get out of here? said Alex nervously. This place feels weird. Let's go, said Lola, who's also starting to feel a little freaked out. But as they began to walk towards the entrance to the cave, something came whizzing through the air, missing Alex's head by millimetres. Whoa! What the flippity-flop was that? Just then, another projectile came out of the darkness, catching Alex on the side of the head. Ouch! Alex said, that hurts! He put his finger to his forehead and felt a thin cut and a drop of blood forming. Who's there? Come out and show your face, you coward! Alex shouted. Alex felt a tap on his shoulder, an ice-cold tap as another wave of cold air hit him from behind. Alex turned around and there, right before him, was a small man floating in the air and looking mischievous. The figure before him was pale and white and transparent. It was ghostly. Yes, that's the word, ghostly. Holy moly, it was only a flipping ghost! Boo! said the ghost, giving a horrible rotten toothy smile. Ah! Alex screamed, ah, screamed Lola. OMG, 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 said Jenny repeatedly. 
Yes, said the ghostly apparition with a little triumphant fist pump. I've still got it. 950 years old and I can still scare them like the best of them. Watch and learn, son. Watch and learn. Dad, you're so embarrassing. Leave the poor children alone. The voice came from one of the baby caves to the side and out of that cave, another ghost came floating towards them. But this one was shorter and young looking, no more than 11 or 12 years old and he was wearing a Harry Potter cloak and Gryffindor scarf. It was a strange sight indeed. I'm sorry, said the younger looking ghost. Dad is always trying to scare everyone. He's a poltergeist, you see. He only ever wants to cause mischief and make people jump. I take after my mum, a friendly slime ghost. My name's Slimer and this is my dad, Chomper. Did I scare you? said Chomper excitedly. I did, didn't I? I did so scare you. Did you poo in your pants? Did you pee in them? Oh, please say you did a pee in your pants. No, we didn't, said Alex bravely, trying to get his head around what on earth was going on. This would have been the strangest thing in the world ever, but Alex had met a two-inch pirate called Pete a few months ago, so he was a bit more open-minded than the girls, who were just staring open-mouthed. Careful, you might catch flies, girls, chuckled Chomper. I've still got it, son. Watch and learn. Chill out, Dad, said Slimer. Let the kids go. On one condition, said Chomper, his smile gone and looking stern and serious. You can't tell no one we're here, all right? If you tell anyone, I will haunt you. I swear I will. I will haunt you forever. Got it? We live in peace down here, and we don't want no one taking our home, and we don't want that dirty Gertie knowing we're down here neither. She'll stink the place out. But you can come and visit, said Slimer, hopefully. It does get lonely down here sometimes. Alex nodded. Just one thing, Alex said. You've got the naughty step and the Harry Potter costume, and I think I just got hit with a candlestick. So you're the boggle thief then? We're no thieves, said Slimer, looking hurt. We would never steal from an innocent human. We are good ghosts. Chomper gave a little ghostly cough. If Slimer had blood in his veins, they would have gone to his cheeks. He hadn't been completely truthful. Oh, oh, oh this, he said, pointing at his Harry Potter costume. That was an accidental steal. I was playing in the magic shop late at night, as I often do, with my friends the bunny rabbits and Big Ron the goat, when a brick came crashing through the glass door window. There was broken glass everywhere. I was scared and panicked. Did a runner. Well, I can't exactly run, but I floated off in a big hurry, Slimer said. I totally forgot. I still had the costume on until I got back here. I was going to put it back, I promise. Why would anyone throw a brick through the magic shop window? Did you see who it was? Jenny questioned. Oh, I saw who it was all right, said Slimer, eager to be helpful. It was that slimy-haired magician from the other side of the ditch, the right old horrible one. He's always trying to get one over on the great Mahoon. What? Houdini? exclaimed Alex. Houdini's the boggle thief. I don't know anything about no boggle thief, but he threw that brick through that window, him and his girlfriend. His girlfriend? He can't have a girlfriend, can he? He's horrid, said Lola. Yes, he does, chirped Slimer, growing in confidence. It was that old woman from the newspaper. Anyways, once a brick has gone through the window, she starts shouting at Magic Man, calling him all sorts of names. She then said to make it look like a robbery and they took some stuff. She said it would at least give her something to write about. It would make a better story, she said. Take advantage of the situation they should, she said. So you see, it was an accident I stole the Harry Potter costume, 
Slimer went on. I didn't mean it. But what worries me more is that I don't think I shut the door of the rabbit hutch and the back door was open. I might have done, but I can't remember. It was all such a rush. And what about the candlestick, said Alex. Um, uh, that might have been me, admitted Chomper, but I was only borrowing them. There's only so much darkness a ghost could handle. We just wanted to have a bit of light so we could read our books. I'm reading Aliens in Underpants, said Chomper. It's a masterpiece. And the naughty step? Alex said, wondering how they're going to explain this one. Oh, we didn't steal that. We found it in a bush. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers, said Slimer. I saw that Pinkson girl chuck it in there, said Slimer. Pinky? Why doesn't that surprise me? Alex sighed. Thanks for your honesty, he said. Your secret is safe with us, but you'll need to return those candlesticks. I can bring you a torch. I'm sure we've got a spare one in the garage that my folks won't miss. OK, said Chomper grudgingly. I did scare you, didn't I? I was petrified. I nearly did pee my pants, said Alex, knowing the answer would please Chomper and also knowing it was totally and utterly true. Time to go, said Alex, and off they walked towards the light and through the entrance of the cave. They rubbed their eyes, took in the smells of the summer and got their bearings. They were down near the unused quarry. It's haunted hollow, said Jenny. We should have guessed. It really is haunted. They climbed down the rocky outcrop to the path that led out of the quarry, but Lola didn't move. Alex and Jenny looked back at her. What's up, Lola? I know who the real boggle thief is. Ooh, that is the end of chapter 12, listeners. Only two more to go. It's getting exciting, isn't it? Before we move on, I've got a joke for you. A ghostly type of joke. What is a ghost's favourite game? Hide and shriek. Get it? Hide and shriek. <laughs> uh, no, that wasn't very good, was it? Uh, I must get some better jokes. But enough of the nonsense. Let's move on to chapter 13. Case closed. It's Verity Bones, said Lola. What? A reporter from the Bogglefield Herald? Hugh Deeney's girlfriend, replied Jenny. Yeah, she's the one. You heard Slimer. Deanie was just an idiot who threw a stone through the window, but it was his girlfriend who made it look like a robbery and stole the other magic stuff. She wanted a story to write about. That's her motive. Bugsy and Big Ron must have escaped through the back door. She only found out about that when she went back the next day. We know Big Ron is safe in the forest. Bugsy's still missing, though, said Lola. No, he's not, said Alex, looking slightly ashamed of himself. I found him, but I didn't tell you. My little bro Joe's got him, but I don't know why. I thought he might be the boggle thief. That is strange, said Lola. But he's not the boggle thief. I almost forgot they hadn't told you. I saw the boggle thief in the offices of the Bogglefield Herald, and they were too tall to be a child. It was definitely a grown-up. The trophy was in their bag, and I bet the medallion was too. When I came out of the manhole cover, there was a broken fingernail. It had bright pink nail varnish on. Easily broken when pushing a heavy manhole cover. Why else would it be there? But the thief hadn't broken into the newspaper office. The door was unlocked. Either that or the thief had a key. But it was the car number plate that sealed it. VB0NE5. V Bones. Verity Bones. She was putting the stolen goods in her own car, the silly sausage. It must be her. We need to tell the police. And then we need to get ready for the party. The three friends made their way out of the quarry and up into Lesser Boggle, where they found an old red phone box that still worked by the Duck and Cover pub. Lola dialed 999. I think our work is done here now. See you in a few hours for the party, said Lola. 
I need to go home and get changed and help set up. But I'm parched. All this crime fighting has made me thirsty. Let's get a lime and soda in the pub first before we head off. We haven't worked it all out though, have we? said Alex. What about the pink lemonade in the sweet treats from the Ox's office? They went missing before the magic shop was broken into, and I can't see how or why Verity Bones would be responsible for that. They walked into the pub and asked Nicky Knuckles for three lime and sodas and a packet of dry roasted peanuts. On the house, said Nicky, for putting up a good fight in the cricket match. Oh, and your folks are looking for you, Abington. I'll let them know you're here. Gary Basher was at the bar putting in a big order and said hello to the three crime fighters. Five pints of wickedly strong cider, one lager shandy and a large pink lemonade for Harry, he said to the barmaid. Harry can't get enough of that pink lemonade. Got a super sweet tooth as Harry. He'll rot his teeth if he carries on like this, Gary said to Lola. And across the pub, Alex could see Harry Basher walking towards him, waving with his right hand, an ice bun in his left. A love of pink lemonade and sweet treats. Case closed, Alex thought. Hi, Alex. Harry said excitedly. Great cricket match earlier and that food fight was the best. It's been eventful, agreed Alex. Oh, and Harry, no more going down into those tunnels and pilfering fizzy pot and sweet treats. Got it? Harry's face went bright red but he didn't protest. Don't worry, I won't tell. Your secret is safe with me. Stealing the ox's sweet treats though. I'm struggling to work out if you're brave or stupid. Probably a bit of both, blushed Harry. The very next moment, Daddy O came moonwalking into the pub with Mama G and Joe, still basking in his victory glow. There you are, Alex. We were getting worried about you. Where on earth did you get to? Just hanging out with Jenny and Lola. You know, kid stuff. Well, you should have told us, admonished Daddy O. Don't run off like that again, especially when I've got something really important to tell you. What? said Alex curiously. Jenny and Lola need to hear this too. Alex beckoned them over. Now, you three, it's very important that you appreciate that it's not the winning or the losing that matters, but the taking part that counts. So I wanted to shake you by the hand and say, well played. Daddy-O shook each one of their hands in turn. And Alex, I just want to say something else to you. I just wanted to say... And then he gave a cheesy grin. And Alex knew what was coming next. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I'm a winner, I'm a winner. I'm going to have chicken for my dinner. He then started clucking and doing his chicken dance, much to the amusement of the rest of the pub. Outside the front of the pub, Alex pulled Joe to one side. What is that rabbit doing in our shed? I thought you were the boggle thief. That's Bugsy. Calm down, dear, said Joe. I know that now. I found him in the bottom of the garden in the treehouse and thought I'd look after him. He is super cutesy after all, and I thought he might prove useful. Useful? What does that mean? said Alex. Anyways, he belongs to the great Mahoo and you need to give him back. No, I don't, said Joe. I was speaking to Kenji after the cricket match about something and he told me about Bugsy. I realised that was who I found. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I've had a chat with the great Mahoo and he said I can keep him. Bugsy's getting old and his magic days are behind him, so he's coming to live with us in retirement. Plus, I could have a rabbit with his experience, being used to disappearing and all that. What are you up to in that shed? It looks dangerous. Do I need to tell mum and dad? Said Alex, thinking that his brother really did need some closer parental supervision. No need to worry then, big bro. All is under control and Bugsy will be just fine. He's already met Ted and they get on like a house on fire. Just then Jenny and Lola came over as the sound of police sirens went past. Off to arrest the boggle thief, methinks. Are you sure you're not going to green yourself up and come to the party as my goblin king? Jenny joked. 
Nah. I said I was going to go as a ghost, didn't I? I just need to pop home and get my Harry Potter costume. They all laughed, except Joe. He just thought they were all being a bit strange and walked off. So you're going to go back to the cave to see the ghost, Jenny said to Alex. Yeah. I said I'd take them a torch. I'm a man of my word. I don't want to risk Chomper haunting me either. But we're going to need to go back anyway. I want to go back to the Ministry of Mischief. I need to know what's under that trapdoor and where the hatch in the roof leads. There's more that we don't know. I'm sure of it. Jenny and Lola nodded in agreement. But as they finished their drinks and nuts and were about to leave to get ready for the party, there was a loud rumbling noise and then the ground seemed to move and then move again. It shook. A glass could be heard falling from a table inside the pub and smashing on the floor and then a dozen more glasses. Everything was shaking now and Jenny stumbled to her knees. Alex felt seasick. The rumbling became a loud roar then as quickly as it began, it stopped. The air was filled with silence and everything was still. The three friends looked at each other in disbelief. This was turning out to be the strangest day of their lives. Behind them, a now very drunk Freddie Flinders picked himself off the ground and let out a roaring laugh. Aha! I got knocked down, but I got up again, slurred Freddie. I don't believe it. That was an earthquake, an actual real-life ground-shaking earthquake, said Alex. That was awesome. But it wasn't awesome. The ground beneath them was not happy. It was stirring and it was angry. It was an awakening. And finally, we move on to chapter 14. But before chapter 14, a joke. What did the ground say to the earthquake? You crack me up. You crack me up. I crack myself up. And probably not in a good way. Anyway, chapter 14, Behind Bars. Boggle Thief Arrested by Nancy Knuckles Captured! The Boggle Thief is behind bars and not Mars bars or Milky bars, solid cast iron ones. This newspaper is somewhat embarrassed to report that the thief was none other than our very own Verity Bones. Following an anonymous tip-off, PC Useless defied both his name and reputation and carried out a raid of Mrs Bones' apartment where he found the cricket trophy, the golden medallion and a bag full of joke shop tat. I mean quality merchandise, all of which has now been returned to their rightful owners. Well, Miss Bones was taken away in handcuffs, screaming, I could have been famous, I could have been a star, and I would have got away with it if it wasn't for those pesky kids. This newspaper did say it would crack the case, and it has done so, just not quite in the way we expected. Case closed. In other news, the church candlesticks weren't stolen after all. They turned up in Vic the Priest dishwasher. They must have been there all along. I should have known, commented Vic. It's a sign from God. I didn't polish the church silver this month. I thought I could get away with missing a month, didn't I? Well, this little miracle is a slap on the wrist for me from the big G. I'm off to give them a good clean. Well, praise the Lord. The good news didn't stop there. This newspaper can now report that Big Ron, the goat that used to think he is a zebra, has been spotted safe and well, living in the forgetful forest. Only now the crazy animal thinks he's a rhino. And in this day and age, who's to say he's not? What on earth was that old bean? The captain said to his wee pirate friend with a worried look in his eye. It was the earth all right, said Pete. An earth shake. But what does that mean, old chap? It didn't sound good. It means life is going to get interesting, said Pete. Or should I say more interesting? Weird, but interesting. And probably dangerous. Boggle had levelled up again. The end.
And that, dear listeners, is the end of The Boggle Thief, the second book of five in the Boggle series. I do hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed reading it. Boggle will be back for the third book, The Devilish Ducks of Boggle. And those ducks certainly are devilish. The evil-eyed little beaked beauties who want nothing more but to, to destroy mankind and be up to Alex and his band of heroic friends to stop them. Well, until then, I wish you well. See you later, alligators.